This is the last message in the Missing Peace uh, message series. How many of you have been blessed by it? I hope whether you're in a season where you're struggling with some things or you're on the other side of a storm or you're heading into a storm, I hope that these messages have really prepared you for all the, the trouble that life can bring us. And so today is the last message in this message series. And um, how many of you enjoyed worship? Like, you, how many of you enjoyed worship this morning? You ever, you, ever look at, you ever look at the worship team and you see the little, you know, thingies in their ear, the little, you know, things that go over there, and sometimes they'll pull them out or they'll mess with them, and you might be wondering, like, what, what are these things? Well, you know, back in the 80s when we had plants and shrubs and flowers on stages and churches, you remember that? Anybody remember plants and shrubs and churches lining instead of all the lights and stuff like that? And they, they'd have these things called big wedge monitors. Remember, they were like big speakers that would sit all over the stage. And what it did is it helped, it helped the band be able to hear themselves. And so we have something that actually helps our band stay on track or stay on rhythm, if you will. And it's called the click track. And so while they have these little in-ear monitors in their ear, they're hearing this click in their ear, and it keeps them on rhythm. Now, if you're really white, this might challenge you, um, but, you know, <laughs> but, but what it does is it, it helps the band stay in sync together. And now my wife used to be our worship pastor, and <clears throat> there was a few times maybe just a few that I can remember, baby. And by the way, my wife and I, we didn't plan on being twinsies today. Bro, it's just one of those things. I was like, I, 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 I saw her when she was wearing, I'm like, oh no, oh no, like I can't do that. But you know, it is what it is. So I'm actually dressed up because it is my mother's 75th birthday today. And yeah, she'll be at second service. I wanna honor her, but uh, I dressed up just for her. Love you, mom. Can't wait to celebrate you today. But um but my wife used to be our worship pastor, and there was just a few times when the band gets out of sync, and you know it. Like, instead of, like, being all like, I speak the name of Jesus, you're like, what is happening right now? Like, something does not seem right. Like, something is off. You just can't put your finger on it, but you know, just like something is not right. Something is out of rhythm. And I can tell you, even in, in my own personal life, I don't know about you, but oftentimes, that's the way my life feels. My, my week, my days, I, I hit the ground running. I'm, I'm answering calls. I'm, I'm responding to text messages. I'm getting emails. I'm being bombarded with news. I, I, I'm pulling some social media. And, and everything in this world is trying to throw me out of a rhythm with God. And when that happens, not only do, does our life get out of rhythm, our souls get out of rhythm. And when our souls get out of rhythm, we start to experience stress and striving and anxiety, fear, and a deep sense that something just isn't quite right. And I believe that all of us, we go through seasons and we go through times as we've been talking about what is the missing piece. And throughout this message series, Message after message, I don't know if you've seen, but I believe that God has been weaving in this thread of if we don't get back to God's ways of living and according to his ways and his patterns, our lives get out of order. And when they get out of order, they get out of rhythm. And when we get out of rhythm, 
we start missing peace. And so today I want to bring to you with this last message, probably, arguably, the one commandment in the Bible that has been the most uh, neglected, the most <laughs> not observed, and, and, and consequently, I believe, because of it, we have suffered greatly for it. And so if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, I've got just a couple of verses to share with you to start off this morning. It's so Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Now, this is Jesus talking to the people in his day. Now, if, if you uh, have read your Bible, read the Gospels, you'll understand that Jesus shows up in the middle of a Jewish culture that has added to the commandments of God. Like the religious people called the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the day, they took the commands of God and they actually added on to it. Most scholars will tell you it's like close to 500 new commandments that they added on top of the people that burdened the people, that became like a weight on top of the people. Not only that, they, they got into this cultural lifestyle that was living very religiously, doing a lot of the right things, but doing them in such a way that it became religion instead of relationship. And it was wearing them down. It was making them tired. And even in Jesus' day, there was a missing piece that people were experiencing. They forgot the rhythms of God. And Jesus says to them in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Today I want to talk to you in the time that we have about rhythms of grace. Rhythms of grace. You see, everything in creation was created in a rhythm. In fact, if you, if you study uh, science, if you study nature and you study biology, the way that God created the earth and the way that God created humankind is he created us with natural rhythms. You could look at the earth and you could see there's natural rhythms. There's day and there's night. There's seasons, there's winter, there's spring. There's uh, summer and there's fall. Happy fall, y'all. Come on, who loves their fall seasons? There's seasons to life. There's, there's years, there, there's days, there's months, there's, there's rhythms. Even in our, the way that God created humanity, in the biology of humankind, there are certain uh, rhythms built into the human body. There's circadian rhythms. And I can tell you that I feel that circadian rhythm. I remember when I would travel for business and quite frequently travel over, overseas to Europe on business. And I would get my circadian rhythm, which is your 24-hour sleep cycle rhythm that you're naturally built in with. That there are set times that your body wants to go to sleep and set times that it awakens. And when you throw off that rhythm, it can throw off how you feel, and I could tell you when I would feel that jet lag, I felt that circadian rhythm getting messed with. There are certain uh, monthly rhythms that your body, every 30 days, renews your cells, renew themselves. 
And so there are certain rhythms, even in the biology of humankind that God has created into the universe, that when you get away from the rhythms, the godly rhythms of creation, you get away from the very blessing of God. And when you get away from the blessing of God on those rhythms, you experience stress. Stress is, is, is a weight that, that when carried, oftentimes you've heard of a stress fracture. That when there's too much weight on you, that we tend to break. That we tend to feel overwhelmed and overburdened. And let me tell you that we are living in a day and age in a, in a culture that is constantly stressed out, anxious, fearful. Uh, numbers of prescription pills being prescribed to people because anxiety is the number one mental health disorder in America. And it is rising, and especially among young people, young people, and young people. I said that like an old time. Young people. I said that like an old person, didn't I? Those young people. What's they doing here? Now, you know, we're seeing it affect our children. And I'm afraid it's because we've bought into this lie of the enemy and we've bought into the lie of culture that we need more, want more, should desire more, have to go more, do more, be more. And because of it, our souls are disquieted, they're never satisfied, and we are longing for peace, but it's escaping us. So I wanna, I wanna give you my first point, if you will, which is really, even Kayla speaking this morning to us, reminded us that there are certain rhythms to life. There was a rhythm to Jesus's life. There was a way that he lived, in fact, uh, they would say of Jesus that he was the way, the truth, and the life. So that there, in fact, in the Bible, biblical times, the first and the early church, they were affectionately called the way. It was a way that you followed. And I'm afraid that in our Americanized Christianity, we have fallen into this place where we think being a Christian means that we agree with what the Bible says. That we have this mental agreement and our faith has come down to saying yes and amens in church, but then walking out these doors and following the ways of the world, not the ways of Jesus. Wow, it's awful quiet in here this morning. And yet, Jesus shows up in the middle of a culture that was so bent on performance and being driven and following rules and regulations, and it became this dry, dead religion that was wearing people out. And I believe that there's a religion that this world wants you and me to believe in and to follow. And if we do, the same effect will have upon your soul. You'll end up coming to church, but feeling dry, worn out, and tired. So here's, here's the first point I have for you. If we're going to live in his peace, that wasn't very peaceful. <laughs> Wrong cue. If we're going to live in his peace, we must follow his ways. If we're going to live in the peace of God, if we're going to live in his peace, and Jesus said, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives. I've given you a different kind of peace. But if we're going to receive that peace, and not just receive it, and I think that's part of the problem. Too many of us, you know, we come to church to get our Jesus fix. And, and we get a little bit of peace as we worship and we pray and we gather around the word of God. 
And yet we leave this place and we hit the ground running on Monday morning and we live a lifestyle that is contradictory to the ways of Jesus and we can't expect to live a different way than Jesus and live in the peace of Jesus. I love what the message uh, version says about these verses in Matthew chapter 11 that we just read. Uh, I want to read it to you in the message because I believe Eugene Peterson in his paraphrase of the Bible in the message version has such a beautiful way of putting what we just read. I want to read it to you. It says this, are you tired, worn out, burn out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Man, that line just jumped out at me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And if you, I want to remind you, grace is the supernatural empowerment of God that we need on our lives to do the things that God has called us to and to live the life that God has called us to live. He goes on to say this, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Anybody wanna live, learn to live more freely and lightly? I believe that there are many different rhythms. Now Jesus, he kinda, he, you ever heard that term? Uh, he, he's living life, he's beaten to a different drum, right? This is what Jesus showed up and he was constantly frustrating the religious leaders of the day because this dude was beating to a different drum, man. He, he had a different rhythm to his life than the religious people of the day that were worn out, they were burnt out, they were overburdened with all the rules and regulations and religion was killing their souls. And Jesus had a different rhythm to him. He would constantly just in the middle, in the height of his ministry, where he should have been like when they were wanting to make him king and, and, and put him up on a pedestal. He was removing himself from that place and he was getting away by himself. Like I told, talked to you last time I spoke to you, to get away and pray and to just be with God because he understood that his power source, his peace came from being with the source of peace. And the more time he spent in prayer with God and just being with God, the more peace that he had. And when he was full of peace, he had peace to give. And Jesus was constantly going around giving away the peace that he had. But there was this practice that Jesus followed and, and he was trying to help his disciples follow it. And it actually was being followed by the religious leaders of the day, but they weren't following it for the same reasons that Jesus was. This thing called the Sabbath. And even, even talking about the Sabbath, I, I just want to just, I want to front load this with you. Even preparing this message, I, I felt a deep sense of conviction myself because I look at, as I look at my own life, I, I don't know that I've actually followed this command in the Bible for Sabbath. And so as I've dug in to prepare to bring this message to you, it's even brought a little bit of conviction on my life. That yeah, that sometimes I take a day off and we, sometimes we take days off and we try to get some rest, but rest and, and days off are different than a Sabbath. How many of you know that you can go on vacation and I've done this. I've gone on vacation and I've come back feeling more tired than when I left. Why? It's because I believe that 
we, we don't know how to find rest anymore. We've actually lost the biblical principle of what real rest is and what real rest looks like. And so we've bought into the world's ideas of what rest is, and it is not bringing rest to our souls. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, it says this, it says, For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that was in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, I don't know about you, but it struck me that the Lord rested on the seventh day. God creation, in the, in the beginning, you know, in Genesis, in the very beginning of the creation of the world, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and each day he, he created something. He used his creative power to, to create the earth and the world and everything in it. And then he created uh, all the animals that see. And the last day he created mankind. And on the seventh day he rested and he blessed it and made it holy. And he said, he said um, this is very good. He sat back and oftentimes we wondered, man, did, was God tired? Like did creating the world wear him out? Like, yeah, probably, but he's God. I don't know that he gets tired. In fact, there's scriptures that say he doesn't grow tired. He doesn't grow weary. So, so why did God rest? I believe it was because God was leading and instituting a rhythm, a pattern for us to follow. That in his rest, he was sitting back and pausing to take a look at all the work of his hand, all of creation, everything that he just had created, and to sit back and to smile upon it, to delight in it, to breathe deeply in of everything that he just created, and to bless it and to make it holy. And in doing so, he established a rhythm to life of working six days and resting one. Working and resting. But the two words that really stuck out to me at the end of the scripture, that the Sabbath is, number one, it is blessed, and number two, it is holy. Now listen. It says that God created the animals and all the fish in the sea, and he blessed it. And then he created mankind, number two, and he blessed mankind. And then the third thing that he actually blessed was the Sabbath day, the seventh day, the day of rest. Well, why is that? Why is it? There's three things that were blessed. Think about it. That it was all the animals in the sea, humankind, and the Sabbath day. What is the connection between all three that make it blessed? Well, I would propose to you that what makes it blessed is this ability to procreate. That animals were blessed because they had the ability to procreate. Remember what God said? He said, uh, be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Now, if the animals had the ability to procreate, to procreate, take life and create life from it, and human, as human beings, we have the ability to procreate, to take the life that we have and create life from it, what if the Sabbath day is blessed because it within it has the same ability to procreate life within you and within me? What if everything that we go through in six days of work, our minds racing, our bodies working, our thinking, our doing, our, our being, that what if we just took a day, 
a 24-hour period and obeyed the word of God and, and, and followed the rhythm that God had of working six days, resting one. Working six days, resting one. And what if on that day, what God did when you gave him that time is take the life that he's deposited in you and create more life out of that day of rest? The second thing is he called it holy. Now, when we think of holy, obviously we think of God, but really that word holy means to be set apart. It's a day not only where we procreate rest in life and God has the ability to, to procreate and multiply. Think about that. When we actually stop to rest in God and follow his ways, follow his rhythms, that now that he has the ability to multiply peace in your life to take the amount and the measure of peace that he's given you and to multiply it and to breathe on it and to create more peace out of it. How many could use more peace? But the other thing that he did is he, create, he said that it is holy. It's a day that's set apart. What is it set apart for? It's set apart to do what you're doing right here today. It's set apart to worship, to rest and to worship. Actually, the word Sabbath in the original Hebrew language means to stop or cease from working. So I've got, I've got good news for you. And here, you know, oftentimes people come like, pastor, I want some, I need some counsel. Uh, this is going on in my life, this is going on in my life. Stop, just stop, stop worrying, stop fretting and just be with God. It's, I'll tell you how many times somebody's come to me and say, hey, I need to talk to you. I need some counsel in my life. And they, they share with me what's going on in my life. And I'll ask them, have you stopped to ask God about this and talk to him about it and, and listen to what he has to say? No, that's what I'm doing here with you. I'm like, well, I'm not God, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm your pastor, but I'm here to lead you to God. He's the wonderful counselor. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good counselor, but I ain't nothing compared to him. And so you got to get a word. You got to talk to God. But it's holy. It's a day that's set apart. That's why, you know, in, in uh, Hebrew Jewish culture, they would use the sixth day as a day of rest, and that would be their Sabbath. Now, in our modern day, we use the seventh day. We, we use Sunday as our day of rest. It's a holy day. This is today, what you're doing right now, this is a holy day. God blessed it, and he called the Sabbath holy. That means it's a day that you set apart, not just for ourselves, but so that we worship God. And when we set apart time to say, I'm God, I'm going to take time out of the first day of my week. It's like tithing your time, your day to God. And when you do that, and when you put him first, it's a rhythm in our lives that when you start with him on the first beat, all the other beats just stay on rhythm. But if you miss that first beat, if you don't start your week, man, I remember um, when I was somebody coming to church just like you, and I wasn't the pastor. And I remember there were times I hated missing church. I did. I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor now. I'm saying it because I felt it in my soul when I missed church. When I got out of the rhythm, and sometimes it was for legit reasons. You might be sick. You might have plans, and, and that's all good. There was times when we weren't camping with our kids, but I can tell you that when I missed worshiping God first, it just felt like I wasn't quite right in my soul. 
Like I just, I'm not quite in sync. Now, when I do put, when I do put God first and when I worship him first, and this is a rhythm that you could even establish in your, in your daily life, that in the morning, the very first thing that you do is you worship God. You go into his word, you put that phone away and say, God, I'm gonna start my rhythm of my day off worshiping you, acknowledging you as God, I'm not, and I'm gonna give my day to you. There's something that happens. God's just on your day a little bit more. Your day just, you seem to get more stuff done. It just, there's a flow to it. There's a rhythm that just seems to be just more in sync because we put God first and we chose to keep the Sabbath holy, to give it to him. I love this quote, it's from a pastor in Portland. He said this, he said, the Sabbath has largely been forgotten by the church, which has uncritically mimicked the rhythms of the industrial and success-obsessed West. The result, our road-weary, exhausted churches have largely failed to integrate Sabbath into their lives as a vital element of the Christian discipleship. It is not as though we do not love God, we love God deeply. We just do not know how to sit with God anymore. We have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. Wow, God help us. And if you don't think this principle of the Sabbath is for today, which a lot of people don't, they think it's an Old Testament, man, we don't need that Pastor Lance anymore. We're living in the 21st century and we're living in New Testament times. Jesus did away with the Sabbath. No, he didn't. In fact, he had to remind the religious leaders of the day because they called him sometimes healing people on the Sabbath or helping somebody that was in need on the Sabbath. And they would constantly come to him and say, hey, what are you doing? You're, you're, you, you broke the law, you've sinned. And Jesus reminded him, he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So Jesus was reminding us that this isn't just some religious law that God put on his people, that God actually instituted it. And by the way, commands it in scripture for your good and for your benefit. And also, when we don't observe it, we're missing a part of the peace that comes by observing it and starting out our rhythm of our week and our lives by observing and saying, it's blessed and it's holy. In Hebrews chapter four, verse nine, Paul would remind the Jewish people, even in the New Testament age, he'd said this. He said, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. He said, for anyone who enters God's rest also does work, what? Rest from their works, just as God did from his. And then he encourages them and says, let us, and I'm encouraging you, let us therefore make what? Every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So Paul's actually saying, when you don't observe the Sabbath, you're disobeying the command of God. And he's also reminding us that, that people perish because of that disobedience. Now, that word perish in the, in the original language in the Greek actually means that you fall from a high place to a lower place. Think about that for a second. Let that sit in. That when we don't observe a Sabbath rest, when we don't take time um, to observe God and to create space in our life to say, this is holy, this day is unto God, it's not my plan, I'm not gonna work, I'm gonna rest, I'm gonna worship, and I'm gonna rest. That's the rhythm of Sabbath. It's worship and it's rest. But when we don't take the time to Sabbath, we actually will perish. 
In other words, our souls will fall from a place of potential being at a high place in peace with God, in the love of God, down to a lower place. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in that lower place. I want to be in that higher place. I want to walk and live in peace with God. But if we're going to do it, there's two things that I believe that, that mess with us as human beings, that pull us out of that place of peace and pull us out of the rhythm of God. And those two things are striving and stressing. Too many of us were striving and stressing. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor Lawrence? Well, let me tell you, here's my definition of striving. Striving is working for things in your own strength, things that are outside the will of God or that are God's work, not ours. You understand that the things that God has called you and me to do, there can be good things that we're doing even in the church. But if God hasn't called you to do it, then he hasn't blessed it. If God hasn't called you to do it, he doesn't get, we don't have the grace to, do, to make it happen. Only God does. But when we attune to him and we give him our day of rest and we actually just sit with God and we have fellowship with him. I mean, think about this Sabbath rest. What if we just, could you imagine for a second taking 24 hours, just put our phones away, stop working, stop obsessing, stop overthinking, stop overanalyzing, took our to-do list and just said, this can wait. Today is a day set apart for God and for rest, and I'm going to start out by worshiping him. In fact, before I even go to church, I'm not going to let Pastor Lance just preach me the message. I'm going to sit with God in the quiet. And I'm going to say, God, listen, your, your servant is listening. Speak to me. What do you have to say to me? And you'll be blown away what God will do and what he'll say. But too many of us are striving. We've bought into our culture. In fact, Paul would say in Romans 12, too, he said, don't conform to the pattern of this world. What's a pattern? A pattern's a rhythm. It's a way of life. There's a way of life that this world and our culture is trying to shape you into a mold and a pattern that is directly and diabolically in opposition to the rhythms and patterns that God has put into your, built into your life that when we observe them, we're actually transformed. Our minds are renewed. Why are our minds renewed? Because we're stopping working. We're stopping overthinking. We're just resting. We're reminding ourselves that he's God and we're not. In fact, in, that, um, in Psalm 46, in the first message in the series, I, I told you we're going to be still and know that he's God. That word be still in the Hebrew actually could be translated stop striving, cease striving. Cease striving and know that he's God. Now, we are bombarded daily, and I believe too many of us, we're striving, we're working hard because we see everything on social media. We see our friends with a new car, a new house, on that vacation in Tahiti, and we're comparing our life with theirs. And what we are not realizing is this is a great ploy of the enemy to suck you into the American lifestyle and the pursuit of quote-unquote happiness, which means better job, better life. Uh, you know, skinnier, better life. You know, going on to vacations to the most glamorous places, better life. So what it does is strive for more. We got to get more, work harder, make more money, uh, go up the career path ladder. We've got to do all these things. Our kids have to be in the best schools. They, they've got to be at the top of their class. We, they've got to strive to be the best at their sport that they do. And we got to take them everywhere and do everything because this is what we've been conditioned by our culture. 
And it is absolutely killing our souls. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. Do you know what a, a, a yoke was? In agriculture days, the way that they would till the ground so they could put seeds in it and reap it is they would put yokes on oxen. And a yoke was a hand crafted by a carpenter. Interesting that Jesus was a carpenter. And he says, take upon my yoke. Why would he use this analogy? Because yokes were handcrafted by a carpenter to fit exactly on that particular oxen. As their back was shaped and as they could handle each oxen maybe is built a little bigger or not so much and they could handle a little bit more. The way that the carpenter would build the yoke was specific to that particular oxen so that it wouldn't bruise them, it wouldn't uh, splinter them, but it would fit just perfectly and, and be just the right amount. In fact, oftentimes, yokes would be custom-made to fit two cattle. And this is a beautiful picture. If you think about it, when Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and, and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest for your souls. Take upon my yoke. My yoke is light and easy. What do you mean by that, Jesus? What he means is that too many times we take on things that God never put on you. We say yes to too many things that God never told you to say yes to. We say yes to too many relationships that God never said say yes to. We say yes to doing and, and taking on jobs that God never told you to take on. And ministries maybe that he told you not to take on. And if we will just trust him, he will put and fit the yoke exactly to what you're supposed to carry. And if you'll just do what God says, this is enough for you. And then, by the way, you'll let Jesus come into the other side of that yoke so that when you take on his yoke, you're not even doing it in your own strength. Now you have the supernatural empowerment of God on you to do what God has called you to do. But when you try to do it apart from God, you say, I don't need your yoke. I don't need your help. I can do it on my own. And I love what one theologian said. He said, when you go against the, the rhythms that God instituted in creation, you go against the grain of creation. And when you go against the grain of creation, you get splinters. And too many of us are splintered up because we're resisting God's rhythms in our life. The other thing we need to do is stop stressing. Stress is excessive worry. You can come up, Jess. Excessive worry about what may happen. What may happen. You know, statistically speaking, because 86.7% of all statistics are correct, 93% of everything that we worry and stress about never happens. But yet we spend so much emotional, psychological energy stressing and worrying and striving. Matthew 6, 31, Jesus was reminding him, he's saying, hey, listen, you guys are so caught up. All you think about is what you're gonna eat, what you're gonna drink, what you're gonna wear. He says, stop worrying about it. And then he says in verse 32, for the pagans, people that don't know God, they worry about all these things. You're the people of God. What are you doing? Why are you stressing? Why are you stressing? Why are you worrying? He's like, come on, don't you know me? I'm gonna take care of you. He says, for the pagans run after, run, listen to that, run. And I'm afraid that's what we're doing. We're running, we're running, we're running. We're running here, we're running there. We're running and we're running our souls into the ground. And we're missing peace. 
says, your heavenly father knows what you need. And then he says the key, here's the rhythm, but seek first. When you put the Sabbath, that's why the Sabbath is the first day. When you put me first, when you say, there's a lot of stuff I wanna try to get done, but you know what? I did a lot in six days. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna obey your command, God. And I'm gonna rest. He says, when you seek him first and his righteousness, all these things will be given to you as well. So here's my last point. When we rest in him, he works for us. Do you know that when Jesus, if you remember when I preached to you about peace in the middle of the storm, there was something I read to you, the story out of the account of Matthew or Mark. I can't remember two M's, pastor problems. But the same story in John, there was one verse that really hit me. And it was one of those Selah moments, pause and like ponder. And it was this, John 6, 21. It was when after Peter slipped his belt, he water and walked back to the boat. It says, then they were willing to take him into the boat. If you remember, they had been striving at the oars. They'd been striving, working hard for hours, rowing against the wind and the waves. That's the way a lot of us feel. We're worn out, rowing hard against the grain of culture. We're trying to follow the way of the world. And they're tired, they're worn out. And Jesus walks by, almost like, why didn't you call me? Remember, I'm here. Even when you don't know it's me, I'm here, I'm present with you. For many of us, that, that might be a word for, he's here. His presence is here. He's with you, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. And all we have to do is call him, take time to stop and call in the name of Jesus. And finally, Peter calls him, says, Peter, Jesus, let me come to you. And he comes, and you know the story. But then when Jesus walks back to the boat, it says, then they were willing to take him into the boat. How many of us are willing to say, God, I'm going to take a Sabbath. I'm going to rest in you. And listen, it says, immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Did you get that? They're in the middle of a storm. Jesus gets in the boat with them. They're willing to take him in. And immediately the storm goes away. And immediately they're to the shore. Hours and hours and hours of rowing, straining at the oars. One moment in the presence of Jesus and immediately they're in the shore. How many of us were working, we're striving, we're stressing about our families, our finances, our jobs, the economy, and all the stuff that's happening. Americans are so stressed out with inflation and mortgage rates rising and, and all this uncertainty in the economy, yet we're missing out on the rhythms of God for our money. That if we would tithe, put our first 10% of our first roots, if we would give God our first and our very best, he would bless the rest. And many of us are striving and stressing about our finances, and yet we're not even giving God and saying, God, I trust you. I trust you so much. I'm going to worship you with my first fruits. I'm going to give you my first. I'm going to give you my best. And when I do that, he blesses the rest. time where extended Sabbath as a pastor several years ago with my wife. One of the things I was getting counsel from one of my mentors, Pastor Mark Estes, pastor of Manor House Church in Portland, Oregon, and he was telling me that he's like, hey, Sabbath, you know, taking a sabbatical is good, but you, 
you need to build some healthy rhythms into your life so you stay fresh and healthy. And he, tell, he was telling me about some of the things that he does. And one of the things that he does is he takes little mini retreats, little breaks where he'll go away for a night or two and just get with God and break away from the demands of ministry and life and everything. And I actually did that this past week. I have, I'm not always good about it. Actually, I've been terrible about it, if I'm going to be honest. But I did it the other day. And I went away and the first night I felt lost. I didn't even know what to do with myself. I just sat there and I just wanted to watch movies and just veg out and decompress because I'm just so like, I don't even know where to begin. And that's the way a lot of you might feel too. And I felt guilty because I, I wasn't really, I didn't feel like really pressing into God. I wasn't, I was just, I was just kind of there and not doing a whole lot. I went to bed that night. I woke up the next morning and I just felt the presence of God in the room with me. And I got up and I turned on some worship music and I just started worshiping. And I just started declaring, God, you're, you're awesome. You're amazing. You, thank you for your love for me. Thank you for your faithfulness. And then it just led me into this beautiful time. I just got on my knees by, by the bed and I just began to pray and intercede for my wife and for my family. And I felt the presence of God come in that room like I haven't in a long time. And let me tell you one of the coolest parts. There's been something I've been trying to figure out for years. God, what do I do here? What do I do? I don't know. I've been trying in my own mind. I came up with all these different things I could do. I sat down on the couch and in 20 minutes, I had a two-year plan in 20 minutes. Something I've been trying to figure out for two years. When we rest in him, he works for us. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to pray for those here today that maybe they're struggling, they're feeling like they need rest, but they don't know where to begin. Even the thought of this Sabbath is is overwhelming to them. God, right now, I just pray that you would, Holy Spirit, you would come and begin to open the eyes of your people to see that this command is for us. It's for our health, it's for our peace, it's for our joy. That you actually took delight in the Sabbath, just like you take delight over your people. And if we would just take a day to rest in you, worship in you, that we would find more delight in you. I even believe that God wants to restore the joy of his salvation to some of you today. Well, we're going to have our prayer team up here over our prayer banner to our left, just in a moment as we close our service. But maybe you're here today. Can I tell you that there was one man named Jesus who took the burden of the weight of the world on his shoulders. He took an old rugged cross and being beaten and bruised, he took on the weight of your sin, the weight of your guilt, the weight of your shame, the weight of your brokenness, the weight of your addiction, the weight of your divorce, the weight of your abuse. And he put it on his shoulders. And he says, no, I got this one. I'm going to carry it to the cross and I'm going to be nailed to it for the forgiveness of your sin so that you can know peace with God. You don't have to strive to try to please God anymore. I did it for you. And maybe you're here today and you've never accepted what Jesus did for you. 
because of it, you've never surrendered your life to him. If you're here today and you would like to surrender your life to Jesus, it's a decision that you can make. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we shall be saved. We will know God. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor Lance, that's me. I want to know God today. I want to surrender my life to him. Maybe you're online. Maybe, maybe you're just like, you're not ready for that. You want to pray with somebody. I want to encourage you to just come up at the end. I want to pray for us and we'll have our host come up and close the service. Father, we thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you for your peace, your peace that transcends all understanding and guards our hearts and minds. Will you guard the hearts and minds of your people today as we dwell in your peace in Jesus' name.